In this episode of So Dramatic, can we touch back on something season one? I invite back guests from season one, episodes one, two, and three, Diane Sintich, Stephen Kent, and Annie Lavin. We briefly revisit our topics of Frida Kahlo, Thomas Kincaid, and the Beals of Grey Gardens. All of this is leading up to the release of season two. Diane, yes. thank you for coming back. I, it's always a pleasure to come and speak to you, Nancy. Is it? Yes, it is. So, Diane, this is called Can We Touch Back on Something? Sure. And you were episode one. Love it. Season one. Yes. Of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And you were willing to be here? Yes. Uncensored. <clears throat> uncensored. And so you, I don't know if you realize this, but you are the reason for the Diane rule of the podcast. What is the Diane rule? Try not to swear so much. Okay. Okay. You know, I get uh, disclosure, full disclosure, when I am nervous or unsure of myself. But that's so funny because you're like, I don't, I, I was, must have been nervous. I'm like, no, you swear like that all the time. I think I'm nervous all the time. <laughs> oh my God, you're nervous all the time. That's all the so time. sad. It's not true. I I think I'm being emphatic, and I can be emphatic in different in different ways because you can be whoever you want. I be. read a ton, and I should yes. I should be able to use other words. The reason I said that was because you felt that you were you were like, oh, I swore too much. So I was like, okay, maybe that you know, so that you said that, and I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll mention that to people so that they right, you know, um, clean it up. <laughs> My mom has yet to listen to any of this, so I don't really have to worry about it too much. Okay, but, good. Um, She's not going to speak to me after. <laughs> she probably can't hear it, let's oh, be honest. <laughs> so you and I talked about Frida Kahlo, mm-hmm. Diego Rivera. Yes. And Leon Trotsky. Yes, who I have a personal okay. connection with. And I found for you, I think, the greatest gift I've ever given anyone. Yes. <laughs> not a pair of socks. No. Three socks. A that came- troika. <laughs> Of socks. <laughs> a troika, is that a real word? Yes. A troika of socks? Yes. That's the name of my band. Troika of socks? Yes. Okay. Um, and it one was Diego Rivera, mm-hmm. one was Frida Kahlo, and the mm-hmm. other was Trotsky. Mm-hmm. And then you decide who goes together. Right. <laughs> I always I always wear Leon. You do? Always. Okay. You put who do you put him with? Frida. Okay. Frida. All right. So um is there anything that after our recording since, you know, you didn't know who we were going to talk about. But since then, um, anything that's come up that you wanted to kind of touch back on and talk about or anything that you thought of when you heard the episode, uh, give you a chance to share insights, thoughts, whatever. Well, first of all, I had no idea how prolific she was. And I had no idea how essentially, maybe it's just the city of Chicago, she is everywhere she is ubiquitous yes yes she is more so than ernesto che guevara she's everywhere yes especially in the west areas of the city yeah um probably because she's mexican maybe um but i mean her murals are everywhere uh yesterday sunday i was in logan square and on the wall frida Kahlo was hit by a train i'm like what Mm -hmm. so i took that picture she's everywhere yeah I've seen her. I've seen murals of her 
all over the city when I'm in the car mm-hmm. and I don't stop and take a picture of it because I've seen she's everywhere. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's become almost restaurant. like a pop culture kind of thing. It is. She's iconic for sure. Her and I never iconic. noticed her before. Yeah, isn't that funny? I never noticed her before. Yeah. Like I remember the I remember the movie with uh, with um, what is that beautiful Salma Hayek. Salma Hayek. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I remember. Is it was it Alfred Molina who played yes. Diego Rivera? Like I remember yeah. him being just sloppy and. And disgusting. what's so funny is that in a later episode <clears throat> in season two, he's going to come up again, which is weird. There's like this whole. I was saying in another episode. There's this whole six degrees of separation. Okay. Where all these people who I'm talking about like are con- interconnected. Well, I hope you dedicate something to Leon Trotsky. Who did? I hope you do. Me do. I do. And you ask me. Because I'll be back. Oh. But he's okay. not an artist. But I can't pick someone. You. I can't. You're right. Done. And he's not an artist. And if you know it, then that... That's right. That could be your podcast. Why right. don't you do a Leon Trotsky podcast <laughs> and invite me? Because no one would care. <laughs> oh, one of the... Okay, so anything else that you want to say? I don't want to interrupt you because I want um, something I wanted to talk I had no about. idea about her level of suffering. Yeah. No idea. Um, that was so sad. Mm-hmm. I had no clue. Um, I loved learning about how she, uh, would, the sicker that she feigned illness or whatever, she realized that's how she was going to get attention from her parents. Right. Um, which I'm finding is, I'm aware of that now, um, with my own son. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if he might pull that Mm -hmm. because I'm always super busy, but when he's sick, I'm there. Yeah. Like I was at rehearsal and my mom said he has a fever of 105 and I got home from Edgewater in 20 minutes. Yeah. I could have killed myself and others. And arrived on the scene. Yeah. And I cradle him, and it's the best right. thing ever, unfortunately, when he's sick, because that's what he really wants to cradle. Oh, he's a little tiny baby. But yeah, so yeah. I'm aware of that, um, which was, again, so sad. Yeah. Like, I had no idea that she lived this. Her life was so hard. Mm-hmm. But then she stayed with this horrible. And again, too, I mean. Ugh, Diego. I feel like these are people who, they're. Similar to when we when I talked with Jenny about Sid and Nancy, like these are mm-hmm. people who are like they're they're a hot mess, right? Mm-hmm. They are they are drawn to each other. It's a dysfunctional relationship, but there's they are they are attracted to each other, mm-hmm. you know. And that's kind of we see that all the time, especially yeah. with artistic people, where they don't always bring out the best in each other, and no. they don't always you know have these. Again, I I said that I think being around them would have been exhausting. You know, yes. they're, they're intense, their intensity. Um, didn't see that with Robert Maplethorpe and Patti Smith. You know, they seem to have a different kind of. But Patti Smith, when I talked about her, her goal was to, if she couldn't be an artist, she wanted to be an artist lover, an artist wife, like okay. Frida Kahlo oh. in Diego. That was her goal. Okay. And I Th- thought, There's well, definitely those people as well. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, they're everywhere. Um, but again, there's something, you know, sort of romanticized about that, that intensity and that, um, you know, maybe that drove their creativity. Maybe that's what made her the artist she was. Maybe that. But she you was know, an artist in her own right. Because if you're a perfect, lovely life, what's right. your art like? No. You need to suffer. There right? Is, I don't think there is art. Yeah. Is there? If, what do you mean? I mean, would they, would they be artists? Do we have any artists that we know that are prolific artists that had a. Mom and dad who loved each other, no. stayed together, didn't have any trauma in their right. lives. No, they're accountants. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure there are many accountants out there who maybe have had some trauma. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Um, but I think, too, it's not necessarily – I think there's some, there's got to be something to drive your creativity. There's got to be some, you know, some something to drive it. You have it. to fill the hole with yeah. something. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Some angst, something. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to mention to you was you asked about Trotsky's wife. We didn't say much about Trotsky's wife except that she was like, we're getting out of Frida Kahlo's house. Right. So she was actually his second wife. He divorced his first wife to marry her. She was an active revolutionary. She was actually in prison as well. So she was uh, a badass. She was a badass. She was a writer. She was actually became like a cultural um, minister in in the um, government for a while. She was into like um, she was, wrote a lot about Marxism and his relationship to culture. Uh, she had two children. She had two sons, which was so sad. They both died. Oh my god. Um, one was they were you know he was basically taken out by stalin the other one they pretty sure someone he was poisoned or something sure but yeah they, he had like an appendix attack and they're like oh. no he something's right he was very young so both the sons died before, you know predeceased them and then one of his grandsons a son of like the a child from his um this son who died the one who i think had the appendix appendicitis thing his son came and lived with them in Mexico. So he, they had this 13-year-old grandson living with them. Huh. And here's an article that I found about him talking about coming home and seeing him with the ice pick in his head. Oh, my God. Yes. And he still lives in Mexico. And he turned that house into a museum for Trotsky. So mm. something to keep in mind. And then I have to go visit. you got to go visit the house. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he said Trotsky was, like, still talking. Like, he didn't die immediately. I thought he had the, the ice pick, ice in, pick his in his head, head? and died. He did not. He died the next day. He was still talking, and he was like, they were going to kill the guy who put the ice pick in his head. He goes, do not kill him. Get him to talk. Find out why he, find out who he's working for. Yeah. I just remember the pictures. Yes. Of Trotsky with his yeah. head down, bleeding out with an, with an ice pick in his head. Right. Like, that shouldn't have been allowed, but I, I saw that in seventh grade, yeah. and I was like, who would do such a thing? Yeah, that was so cool. Um, that, that, I mean, that image, right? But it's like, that whole, that whole his story that whole time period especially like the czar like czar nicholas and alexander that leading that their story is amazing there's so much i that. love that part of history that henry the eighth like that all that i just mm -hmm. it's like you can't make this stuff up no it's so interesting yeah especially the czar it's like he was such a bonehead <laughs> he oh um and i think that was I'm trying to think. I think that was it that I just kind of looked up her. She died in like 62, like his wife, his second wife. Okay. So she lived for a long time. And like I said, the grandson's still alive and he's created this. Um, How did she stay with Trotsky after she sees him or wakes up alone in bed and knowing that he's with Frida Kahlo? You know, it was really interesting. Well, she was the reason why he left his first wife, right? She was having an affair with him. Right. So she knew what she was getting into. Yeah, so she knew. So I think, too, she's kind of like, I'm getting this guy away from her. I don't know that she necessarily was like, you know, I think that when it's like, hey, you cheated to get him. Right. He's a cheater. Right. Um, right. But she said his, actually his first wife and she remained very good friends. They did. They remained very good friends, which was interesting. Yeah. What? I know. I can't. I couldn't. It's, I could not do that. I'm not that kind of person. <laughs> I'm not that nice. No. <laughs> or that confident in myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that was that was just the, something I just looked up last second. But I also, something that came to me just kind of in light of where I'm at in my life and what's happening, you know, these past few months, I've just had a little, just difficulties. And sure. I kept thinking about 
the candle that I have that's next to you and that quote that was on there that make art instead of excuses. And, you know, oh, part God, of this, I love that. this podcast is so great for me. I love doing this. Mm-hmm. I love researching. I love talking with you. I love talking with friends. And it's such a creative outlet for me. And it's like, there's times where I'm like, I, I, I get stressed out about it. I'm like, well, I'm not, I, this is not, should be not be stressful. I need right. to do this and enjoy this. This right. is not my job. Although I would, love it if it was but meet hardship with flamboyance is the phrase that really has been stuck who in said my head. that that was just on that they were describing her oh okay and they but were saying say that make... she meets hardship they were saying that we should be making art instead of excuses that yeah, that's yeah. how she inspires us and meet hardship with flamboyance and i thought that's so much of my life i'm so practical and i make such practical decisions and that that sometimes i need to kind of go no (laughs) i'm gonna kind of you know i 100 percent agree yeah i 100 percent agree yeah so that's where i'm at so i'm exactly i i I think i played by the rules for most of my life yeah and now i'm not playing by the rules at all yeah and it's very freeing freeing. and it makes people mad do you think it's because we're kind of at that age where that's sort of where you make that realization i think i think I think it takes a long time for women to find their voice mm-hmm. and to say no mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you're in your you know late forties, I wish it happened when I was in my twenties, mm-hmm. but that was impossible for the like we're ways to be good girls and yeah. nice girls and don't upset anyone and take care of everybody else. I'm about to swear once. Okay, fuck that because that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Only now am I like after. Everything's happened to me. Only now am I just like, no. Mm-hmm. And I, I still have trouble saying no. Right. I still have yeah. trouble being like, get out of my face. Yeah. You make me uncomfortable. Right. Leave. Yeah. Get out. We have to be nice. And I think, too, we have to be careful because we <clears throat> teach our children to, to be polite and to be nice. But we don't tell them that, you know what, sometimes. You're right. Sometimes it's okay to not be polite. And then if you're wrong, apologize later. But sometimes you have to tell people. In a situation where, like, I don't feel safe or I don't trust right. you or I don't, that you fuck politeness. Right. And you, I agree. You, you just swore. react to, you know, I, okay, I get one. You got one, I got one. That's it. All right, my friend, this is a, just a quick one. I just wanted to touch back with you. Like I said, anything else you need to share? Anything, insights, or before we? I just love that I did it because I love that yeah. I, I'm aware of her now. Yeah. Like, I, she's everywhere. Yeah. It's crazy. And now I hope to, like, if ever I, I haven't been there yet, it's ridiculous, like the Chicago Museum of Contemporary Art, I haven't been. I'm sure they have some of her work. They don't. They don't have any no, of her work? No, don't have any in Chicago. Even at the Art Institute of Chicago? No. Why? I don't know. Hmm. California has some, maybe New York. Chicago does not have any. I wonder who makes the decisions on that. We need to go to Mexico City, and we need to go to, I would love to. La Casa Azul and uh, Trotsky's Museum. I would love to. Yeah. They have a lot of vegan food. We're starting out. What do they call those things? Those GoFundMe? Yeah. (laughs) Quick starter. A quick starter. GoFundMe to send Nancy and (laughs) Diane so they can do a podcast. It's it's worth it. On site. It's it's worth it. Yeah. People are starving. I know. But But we need to get there. Nancy, have to go to Mexico City. (laughs) Por favor. All right, my friend. Thank you. I love you, Nancy. I love you, too. All right, Stephen. Thank you for coming back. We're, we're back at it. Thanks for having me. 
So I uh, just, this is again our, can we touch back on something, just a chance for us to kind of revisit our topic, anything that came up after the fact that you felt like you wanted to add. Again, since I'm sort of controlling the topic and the subject matter, when you leave here, you kind of have a chance then if there's anything that you feel like, I wish I would have known that or realized that before or something you looked at after. So that's sort of the point of this and just to make you come back to my house. (laughs) Which I have done several <laughs> times since we last spoke. Um, yeah, you know what? Two things. Um, one of them I thought within a month of us doing this, and the other one just kind of came to light over the weekend. So the first one is, um, I don't know if everybody listening knows that you did a little bit of a launch party here. And it was interesting. Every one of us that had done this was bragging, ours is the best, and when did you do yours? <laughs> and I made season one, and you didn't make it till season right. two. And I remember sitting there thinking, you and I talked about creativity and what it means and why people do it. And this is what you've done. And here we all were, yeah. like, you gave birth to this and we're all talking about we were better than the other person. And it, it's just a, a life of its own. Right. And, and it's art. It's creativity. Yeah. It's And I was there thinking, no, I'm the best. Right. Well, and you are. <laughs> and you are. No, I'm better. I have all of my sisters listened and oh, a really? good friend of both of ours, Eddie McCarthy, yeah. and all of them came back and said that you wow. were great. That's great. And that I was not, so I no. I didn't feel so good about <laughs> but that. But then, again, for me, part two, that party was so fun because to have all all these people, you know, it's sort of like when your worlds collide, right? All these people who you've known different parts of your life, to have you all come together and talk about your experience and share, it was just really, it was just really cool, you know? It, yeah. It's sort of um, just a, a neat, a neat phase, and to know that I'm so lucky to have such great people in my life who are so interesting and I can have great conversations with. And, um, you know, I know it's intimidating to come here and, and sit, but I I knew whoever I asked would be great because we have great conversations. Right. And it's basically that. Yeah. You know. Well, here the other thing I've thought about, you said something else that day. I'm pretty sure it was that day. Maybe it was another day when I was here. But my kids are in musical theater, and mm-hmm. the theater is filled with aunts, uncles, and grandparents who are compelled to come, who who are going to come anyway. Right. And that party, for the most part, was filled with people who are going to come anyway. It's, right. It's sort of like pass out Rice Krispie treats and a participation trophy if these are the people. Right. But you said that you saw that someone downloaded your podcast who you'd never known before. Right. Didn't even hear of. Right. And that just seemed so cool yeah. when something you create touches someone outside your circle. Because right. we're all going to- Download it and love it. and well, I mean, I, I, I would, would download help. and listen to it even if I hated it to be supportive of you. That's nice because there's some people in my own family who haven't done that. But, well, you know, that's another – that's my other podcast, why I'm so dramatic. <laughs> right. Start unpacking it all the way to birth. Yeah. There, yeah, there, there's – There's that. There's that. Um, yeah, you're right. So to have anybody say – and since then I've had kind of random people, I mean, people who are, you know, friends of friends of friends who have said – Oh my gosh! Like, I, why did I know about this? This is so great! I can't believe you're doing it. I'm like, oh yeah, you know that again. It's it's great. It's it's reaffirming. But as I said, the process is what is what I love, and this is just kind of a bonus, you know, to yeah. have feedback or whatever. But I just love the research, and I love finding about interesting people and keeping my mind occupied with these things, and then writing the story and then being able to share it. That is a that's very fulfilling for me. Yeah. Right. Well, I was I was here on the day you were doing your um, research 
on Truman Capote. Uh-huh. And I, remember, I mean, you were as excited to be researching that yeah. as you are to do the podcast. And oh, yeah. The whole process is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love good stories. And I assume that there are other people in the world who really like good stories. Yeah. And so and the other thing that I was thinking about, too, was we, you know, a lot of our conversation that episode was about art and the importance of art and the importance of being creative. And I just I started to think about how much something like a painting since our our topic was Thomas Kincaid, the painter of light. How Tom. much <laughs> Tom with Nate. Tom with Nate. How much a painting can move me, and I know it can move people, and what it can do. But I know, and I was thinking about this that I've seen paintings, and I've burst into tears. And actually, that's you see this one right here. Yep. Okay, that painting, and I let me hold on. Let me grab that. Yeah, since yours is an audio medium, you'll have right. to describe okay. what that is. Oh, I. Need my glasses. Leve Dermer, D H U R M E R, Lucien, La Femme à la Medallion, something, something. So, this is a painting. Again, we're going to, you know, boast here a bit. When I was in Paris, I was in the Musée d'Orsay, and I saw this, and I, it was the, there, you cannot see a brush stroke. You cannot, and I thought, how, how did this person create this? And I just started crying because I was just amazed by the talent to create that. And, you know, I do have those experiences with art. And I think that's, again, that's what makes life enriched, makes life interesting. And that those moments, whether it happens to you because of a song, because of a book, because of watching someone dance or because of what a movie, those elements of the humanities are what give our life beauty. And enrichment, and I just I agree. think that that's really, really important. Well, that brings me to the second thing I thought of that happened this weekend is I was away on a, a boys' weekend, and I was out at a coffee shop in the morning with one of the guys who's going to be fifty in November, and he's single. He was in a long-term relationship, and um, I don't know how long ago it ended—nine, eight or nine years—long enough that he's lonely, and we're kind of talking about that stuff, and. At one point, he even said, you know, I don't have a friend who I talk to like this. I, you know, I, it's all surface stuff. I have lots of friends, but this, this feels good. And he said, I, I think about my life a lot of the times and what, what am I doing? What am I making? What's, what's my legacy? What's, what's the purpose? And he said, the only, the only thing I like to do is music. I go to fish shows and I used to go to dead shows and I do all this stuff and that's it. Nothing important. And then I thought, you're talking about art. Mm-hmm. It may, maybe that that is your thing, and it's that okay. Really and it's important. wild that yeah. you judged yourself as that. That's not reason enough. Now, obviously, the loneliness and some of the other stuff is another matter. But if he weren't lonely, if there was someone in his life and what they liked to do together was go to quilting bees, right? That's fun. Right. If what they want to do is go to a dead show, yeah. that's fun. I mean, it's it's. And why why do we think that that doesn't matter? Why do we think that's not important? Why do we think that that's like we had talked about like sports, sporting sporting events, and and you know going to see a play or going to see a, why is that considered frivolous, you know, frivolous or yeah. not as important? When I think that that's why we're doing all the other stuff, right? To me, that's why I'm trying to make money is so that I can do all that stuff, so right. that I can experience that. Otherwise, it's like, what is the point? Right. Why are we here? Yeah. No, I, I saw an interview recently. Uh, I like George Will, the guy who's a columnist mostly, but I was, he's on TV as well. And he said, I write a column to support my baseball habit. He loves baseball. And he wants yeah. to go to games, and he likes yeah. to write about baseball and do it. So it's just kind of a funny way to, to right. put that. But that's, yeah, the, the frivolity might be the biggest kernel in your life. Right. 
Yeah. And again, it gives you things to think about. It gives you things to talk about. It gives you other than, you know, politics or, you know, again, like our kids and what's happening. And I think it's just I, I think it's important. And um, so that's why, you know, when I don't this to me is very important and this process is important and creating this is important for me. And as much as I want to be like, oh, it's you know, it's whatever. It's not a big deal. It to me, it is. And yeah. it's I really I it just if I again, I've said this again, again if I could do this for a living. I would be the happiest person in the world. Right. I just well, love it. Well, I think anything that falls in that category that, that seems like frivolity, and somewhere along the way, I don't know how or why, or maybe it's because life is so expensive and, and just bills and life is relentless, so working becomes important. Right. And the frivolous stuff almost seems self-indulgent. So that's it's why true. people like you say, oh, it's no big deal. It's just something I do. Right. Because to say, uh, thank you for saying that, mm-hmm. yes, I think it's gotten much better. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Seems like bragging right. or self-indulgent about right. something that's minuscule right. but why is it minuscule it's right. an important thing and it's doing well and that's cool mm-hmm. yeah and i you know um my friend diane who was on an earlier episode and is a blast she is i, I love her she's so crazy she works with juveniles in prison and she puts on a shakespearean play with them and i know you've heard about this i think mm-hmm. you actually even donated to help yeah this theater and again that would be something if you're like why are you having these kids what what good is Shakespeare going to do for these kids it's life-changing for these people it's life-changing and it's just again one of those things where we this they're able to find this meaning in this they're Mm -hmm. able to find understanding they're able to um lock into something that maybe they didn't understand about themselves before or see a talent they didn't have before. But yeah, they do Shakespearean plays and these are kids who are like, you know, really, really rough kids. They're yeah. they're in prison. Well, yeah. I think that the closer you get to the margins, probably the more frivolous things like art or mm-hmm. any leisure time activity probably right. seems. And, and, and maybe those kids came up in an environment where their parents also struggled to, to make ends meet. And so they're never exposed to it. And just the exposure yeah. and using that part of their brain and, and working together, right. that, that's that got to do a lot for them. Yeah. And, you know, when you, when you mentioned that, too, it's like, yeah, you're right. There are times where it's like I'm trying to figure out how to, like, feed my children and not get kicked out of my apartment. And But within all that, you know, getting a book from the library is free. And what can that do for you? And what you can escape, you can, you know, reading is like the cheapest way to take a vacation. You can, right. you know, sit with your children and read this. And there's ways to to escape what's happening. But, um, and I think, again, the humanities, I think, are, are essential to all that. So, yeah. And wait. What? What do you teach? What do you mean, what do I teach? What, aren't the humanities one of the things that you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There yeah. we go. See? I actually teach a humanities class. Yeah. So you're imparting that <laughs> on other people. Yes. And I'm crazy insane. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you know, and I've taught I taught high school for a long time, too. And I, I mean, one one of my most favorite books is A Tale of Two Cities. Mm-hmm. And I I would get so into it. And I would be so involved with the story. And I remember one year at the end, I had a, a room full of students crying because I was crying at the end of A Tale of Two Cities. I'm like, I can't believe I can't believe I did that. And, you know, the character Madame Defarge and just I mean, it. You can just you can really get lost in these things, but to kind of get that from students, to have them see that you're into it, mm-hmm. see how much that you're not faking it, that you mean it, that this is important and this is powerful, and um, that's always great. It's yeah. always a great feeling. So, and I also think it's universally true. You can only dream what you can see. 
And so I think a lot of those kids who live on the margin have not seen people reading or mm-hmm. enjoying plays or doing so. Right. The idea that a play might be fun to watch or to do, how do you dream that if you've never seen it? Exactly. And so, yeah, yeah I think that's cool that I mean you have seen that you you've yeah. done it from yeah. being an actress to being a director to to all the writing right. and all the things you've done, and now you you bring that to, to other people. Yeah, that's really important. Yeah. So, anything else you want to share? Anything important you need uh, to say? Yeah. No. Um. <laughs> no other Tom related stuff. <laughs> I did have a blast. You don't want to talk more about No, I had a Tom blast. <laughs> well, it, the one thing is... Have you seen his paintings since then, like in people's homes, and you just kind of like... One time. Okay. And I kind of snickered to myself. <laughs> yeah, I kind of snickered to myself. Well, so I guess what was the other thing would be, when I when I left here last time, when we talked about how his life unraveled, mm-hmm. and he screwed a bunch of people, and blah, blah, blah. And at first I'm like, yeah. What an idiot. Like, he doesn't right. really mean it. He's not really an artist or a creative okay. person. He's someone trying to make a buck, and he's screwing all these people. And then it occurred to me, as I was driving home, that as a businessman, I have experienced a small businessman, meaning I have to wear all the hats. Me, of all people, should not judge that. That You could be great at one thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe your idea is great. Maybe you're a great painter. Maybe your idea for a business is good. Well, next thing you know, you have to know accounting, okay. and you have to know how to manage people. Right. And you have to, you know, And all those things where... He wants to get his paintings out to people and control the process. And he had the the retail side of the business and all that. Now money starts to pile up, mm-hmm. and he got greedy, and people mm-hmm. around him got greedy. And but yeah, that's but a that's, great point. But that's different yeah. than what he how he got there. Right. And I think he set out to be a painter. Right. And we do that to athletes yeah. and other people too. Where yeah. you know, like, you know, if I would have ever made eighty million dollars, I would never go broke. This these kids like well, what that kid's really good. At, he's good at hitting a baseball. He's not good at balancing a checkbook. Right. And all of a sudden, boom, he's yeah. got all his money. And one doesn't negate the other. I mean, right. you can look at Thomas Kincaid and say, this is terrible. You're, 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 why would you ever do this? Right. And why would you ever do something in the name of God? You're a hoodlum. Mm-hmm. And you could look at the kid and go, come on, dummy. You can afford anybody to help you keep that money. Right. Okay. Those are the easy answers. Yeah. But I, I, I thought about it in terms of uh, how the rest of the world will encroach on your art. Yeah. And, and, being able to manage all that is much different than being able to manage a paintbrush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's a great point. Not yeah. that I ever want to, I, I don't want to have any sympathy for Tom whatsoever, but <laughs> that did come into my mind. <laughs> Again, it's a great story. Right? Yeah. It's a very interesting story. And and um, that whole idea that you can appeal to so many people, you know, and that, you know, in a way, his story gives me hope that there are, that there are people who are interested enough in the arts, that there are so many people who that, they are willing to purchase that and have yeah. that and spend the money on that. And, you know, it's important to them to have that hanging up in their house. Right. Or, There's a connection. So, yeah. so have you, in your research of other people, other than, um, I guess, actors and and singers or bands, do, has any other artist in another medium gotten rich in their lifetime like he did? Yes. Um, Robert Maplethorpe, he was episode five. Did very, was very successful, very very. But Robert Maplethorpe was all about marketing himself, and he knew that. Okay. He was very good about figuring out how to. His whole goal was to have his partner, who was also like kind of his representative, um, explain to buyers why photography is a collectible art and why it's valuable, and kind of sell it. And he okay. knew he had to sell it. Um, yeah, he was very successful. Um, Frida Kahlo was they they made pr- plenty of money. They were they were successful. Um, who else? We have Sid and Nancy. No, <laughs> they didn't live long enough. 
to really be successful. Um, and then the Beals. And so I'm trying to think the other, I don't want to say who I'm talking about for next season yet. Okay. Um, I guess the only thing, I, I didn't even think about any of those people. The only, my mind went to, got like the great impressionists who never sold a painting while they were alive. And now their stuff goes to mm-hmm. auction for $160 million mm-hmm. or something like that. Whereas Thomas Kincaid got rich off of his yeah. art. Yeah. That kind of destroyed him and the people around him. But Right. Be careful what you wish for. Right. Right. You know, what? yeah, what's how money changes changes you. It changes everything, I guess, in, in a way. Because, And I think, too, we were, we were talking about this. Diane and I were talking about this. It's like, do you, really, do you need to suffer for your art? So you art, I think, does come from a place of suffering in some some degree. I really believe that. Mm-hmm. I feel that in order for it to be powerful, that there's got to be something that's happened or something that's inspired you. And I don't think it's all sunshine and love. I right. think it's something. So I think once you kind of, your if your life circumstances change where you're not experiencing that anymore, and I think you see that a lot with especially musicians and right. pop musicians today. It's like, I spent the first 20 years of my life developing my first album and it was all angst and pain and suffering and struggling. Now I'm making a billion dollars. Right. What am I going to write about? Right. right. It's I'm tough to suffer Sia Bruce Springsteen to sit for in me. Malibu yeah. and talk about factory workers who've been displaced in New Jersey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think there's something to be said. So perhaps these people realize that and realize, and in a way it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy where I've got to, now I've got to create these problems, you know, like, yeah. so maybe it's, it, then it's a, I can't create the way I used to. I'm, I'm stuck, and so I'm going to turn to drugs. I'm going to turn to alcohol in order to create something because what what inspired me before isn't there anymore right. to do that. A so. lot of them seem like tortured souls. I mm-hmm. wonder if there's something about that, and maybe it's how they get it out. Part of the yeah. cathartic process is to write about it or paint about it or sing about it or yeah. whatever. But, yeah, that was that, those were the thoughts I had awesome. about Tom. Great thoughts. Great thoughts. So I'll have to have you back, too, for another episode if you're up for that. I'll have to think about who um, for a full episode. Yeah. Maybe You'll spring someone else I'll on spring me. someone else on you, for sure. Yeah. Has has everybody embraced it? Has everyone kind of been good about opening up? and? Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been – and again, it is intimidating at first when you're sitting here, but after a few minutes, you know – Right. You're, it's not, but I what I what I do have a lot of is people say you got to ask my friend so and so to come. You got to have this guy come. I'm like I don't know that guy. Right. So it's not going to work as well because you and I have a shared history. We we know each other. We know our, each other's stories. So I know things I'm going to talk about that are going to hit with you. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's I can't. I don't. I'm not that good. You know where I can just have a stranger come in and and pick up on something. So. Yeah. Um, who knows that in the future it may develop into that, you right. know, when I run out of friends. <laughs> right. Right. Or, or you know, maybe family members will come once they decide you have a podcast. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah. No, but I, I agree. I was one of those people. I remember saying to you, like, my sister Mary Beth is such an interesting person. Yes. I think she'd be great at this. Yeah. And you said, but you might not know her well enough. And right. Yeah, that that's that's interesting because yeah. there are places that you and I can go together that we fully understand yes. about each other. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. It's it's creative process, right? <laughs> Keep creating. Don't don't change your name. Don't don't spell it in an affected way like <laughs> Thom did. Nancy with an I E at an the H. end or something. It's Nancy with an H. Yeah. I don't know where you put the H. That reminds me of Eddie, who used to when he, he'd say um, we call it order a pizza. He'd be like, it's Eddie. That's S- N is in Nancy. <laughs> it just screw it. And the guy learned the phone line. like, what the hell are you talking about? So yeah, Nancy can have an H somewhere. Yes, N H A N C Y. Yeah, yeah, I'll really be affected at that point. 
awesome. All right. Well, Steve, thank you again for coming back here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And for doing this. And um, I hope you'll enjoy next season. That's coming out soon. I can't wait. So I don't know the people or the subject matter. No, you won't know yet. <laughs> can't wait. Well, once it happens, will I know the people or are they people I don't yeah, know? Yeah, I think so. I think you'll know some of them. Some of them. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank can't wait. you. Thank you. So, Annie, okay. thank you so much for coming back to the basement. And so I wanted to ask you, did you ever, did you get a chance to rewatch Grey Gardens? I did. Ooh. I rewatched it. Um, and then I also watched on YouTube some interviews with uh, the director. Yes. Uh, the one, one of the directors. The Maisels, the, one of the, the brothers. Maisels, yeah, uh-huh. the Albert. Okay. Yeah, Albert, is that? Yeah, Albert. And uh, that was very interesting because it was, one the interview was from probably early 2000s oh, okay. I think so it was kind of recent kind yeah. of recent yeah and um that was interesting because he was talking about uh the documentary about the content and about them but also about the actual filming and right um, so your topic was the Beals right Edie Big Edie Little Edie Beal and Great Gardens and so the Mazels were the documentarians who filmed that yes that's special. Yeah. So that is interesting to kind of get their perspective on what happened. You know, it's funny. It's like there's this weird six degrees of separation. So of all the the kind of the randomness of topics I've chosen, mm-hmm. ever, there's like a weird, there's some connection between all these topics. So season two, one of my first episodes, part of, we talk about a documentary that the Maisels did about that subject for that. Oh. So it, they come up again. I'm like, what are the chances that I didn't they... realize they were so prolific. I, yeah. I knew they had done, you know, Gimme Shelter. And, right. Um, but it, that was interesting to see the, how this kind of fit in with their body of work. Right, and right. That they were, they're considered, I, I guess, the uh, founders of Cinema Verte or Direct. Oh, okay. I forget what there was, Direct Cinema or okay. there's some phrase that was used that... Yeah, so that they're cool. they're uh, pioneers in that field. Yeah. Did you get any feedback from anybody? Anybody um, listen to it? Any of your friends listen to it? I did. I get. I got feedback mostly from family. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> did you mean about the topic or about my? Oh, either particular one. <laughs> insights. <laughs> um, Can you talk about it? Or are you scarred? <laughs> no, no. It was positive. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Pat said it was in the top five of the first five. So my husband, <laughs> your Pat? husband, Pat. I got top five. Well, I was in the top five of okay. the first five. Okay, that's great. <laughs> so I said great. <laughs> and uh, uh, your cousin Catherine said I sounded very professional. Nice. So very but, nice. Um, yeah, it's. I know. I. I mean, I basically do this for a living. I talk to people constantly right, right. and teaching people constantly, so it's a little bit easier format for me right so it's hard you know to find people who are willing to put themselves in that situation right. so it's, I appreciate that because it is you know a little disconcerting but my hope is that ultimately you just feel comfortable and we laugh um you know when I go back and listen to that episode I laugh I know I so hard yeah. because you and I got hysterical <laughs> and it just it just makes me happy and so I would hope anyone else listening would have that same reaction to the best costume of the day. I think it was episode three, right? Was it three? Well, I think that I, I would hope, too, that I, people who aren't familiar with it would right. go and watch that and then yeah. watch the other 
offshoots yes. from and that's what I ha- I had so many people say to me I've never seen that I got, right. oh I got to watch that I got to watch that I'm like well that's you know that's my hope right is to inspire people in that way as well so speaking of like offshoots one of the things I wanted to share with you is um, a little gift for you oh and this is <laughs> the marble fawn of great gardens it's the um it's Jerry the, the helper it's his story. Is it written by him or is it, there a ghost? Any? Okay, so I bought this as a joke because I thought this is going to be. It's really good. <laughs> is it? Yes. And the foreword is by one of the Maisels who became friends with Jerry and said, he, this guy has the most amazing life. And I was like, what? And um, Albert Maisel said, and sometimes that's... it takes people who are so different from normal for us to understand who we really are. And then he talks about when he first met Jerry. He tells us, so this is Jerry's story. And yeah. so I think you are going to really oh, enjoy this. It. Thank you. This is awesome. And then I, just one thing in here I want to point out was a passage of Jerry. He became a cab driver. He was okay. a cab driver for years. And he sees Edie in, like walking the streets of New York. And he describes her. And I had to describe this to you because I thought you are going to lose your mind. So this is the mid-1990s, he says. And he says um, he sees this. Sees, I'm struck by the sight of someone standing beneath this light. This person was dressed entirely in bright red, red shoes, red stockings, red skirt, red blouse, and a red coat draped over her shoulders, like probably like a cape, which right. we love. This woman was certainly striking dressed entirely in red, but it wasn't her outfit that startled me. It was her head. She was completely bald. Moreover, wrapped around her bald head was what appeared to be a golden cobra headband that coiled around her skull, culminating near the top of her forehead in a tiny little snake head with bright ruby eyes. (laughs) Right? So he sees her like on the street. That's the last time he ever saw her like in person. She didn't see him. And he just kind of he said she was jumping into a cab, but he saw her and he was like, that's that's Edie. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So this is for you. I want you to read this. I think it'll be super interesting to add to your your study of love the golden fall, Jerry. And it said, I didn't realize in there, he was only 16 when he started working for them. And it's just, it's a lovely story because he's, he really was just wanted to help them and just kind of help these women out. And he felt like she, like that was his mother and his sister. And it's really. Jerry. <laughs> oh, well, this Albert, um, when he was being interviewed and talking about Edie, he said that they asked the interviewers asked, "Did you had any contact with her after?" Yeah, you know, and he said, "Yeah, she would write him letters." Mm-hmm. Um, but she said he she was in Florida for a while, yeah. and then she was up in Montreal for a couple of years okay. to to work on her French. I guess okay. when she was you yeah know, older, and uh, he was up in Montreal and. Um, he uh, asked her to go to, he was working on another film, and or there was the opening in Montreal, so yeah. he had her come with him, and she was just, you know, she said, when he picked her up, she said, uh, I've spent, uh, it took me six hours to get ready, just to decide what to wear for this. Yeah. But she's in the front row yes. with him and yeah. this, and she's, and he said he also has photos of her with Mick Jagger, yeah. and they, she was, <laughs> you know, yeah. and so she, she did achieve a certain amount of fame which is right. i don't know if it was fame exactly was what she was looking for or just i think people understood her i think yeah. that's ultimately and 
one of the things I again I flipped through that they were talking about just how she she was so prepared to find joy in life. Mm-hmm. She was always prepared to find right. joy in life. And not everyone can do that. Right. And Jerry said that he was so worried about her after the filming because she had weeks and weeks of this attention, which she loved. Right. And then they were gone. Right. And he said things changed after that. He said it was probably one of the first times he saw that, that she might have been depressed. He mm-hmm. said, I'd never seen that before. But it seems like depression was not. I mean, you and I would be in the fetal position in a corner crying if right. we had to live like that. Right. That was she's dancing around the house and with flags. Right. So there's something interesting about that too, about the need to find joy and even in the worst circumstances. So yeah, I thought that too when I when I rewatched it and you sh- there are scenes of her just, um, like you said, dancing. Yes. And just totally, you know, no inhibitions and. Um, it is there is a that it that is something that people would might say oh well that's insanity and it, not necessarily mm-hmm. you know i mean I not know. necessarily I maybe yeah. it's they live to kind of on their own terms yeah. like, to some degree yeah. within the constraints of their poverty right. yeah. you know but, it's just a great story yeah it's it such is. a great story i encourage everyone to to take a chance and watch that and and the sandy passages oh my god with- you have to see the sandy passages <laughs> but you have to see great gardens yeah. first yeah yeah but again i think it's too it's nice to go back and watch great gardens after you mm-hmm. know the before and the after story yep. Yep. because you just have a whole different perspective i think when you watch it and that's how i felt Oh, right. Yeah. Because otherwise that ends and you're like, oh, my God, what is going to happen with these people? What is this is this, you know, this is unbelievable that they're in this situation. But, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I was listening. I was kind of listening to it. I had it on um, on YouTube, just an excerpt from I don't know if it was. Yeah, I think it was Grey Gardens because there was the Beals of Grey Gardens. Okay. They came back and did. And um Edie and Big Edie and Little Edie are talking about something and some musical from 1934 and how, you know, they like to sing like that, mm-hmm. and, you know, but in these patrician accents. Right, right, right. And then all of a sudden you just hear, meow, <laughs> from one of the cats. <laughs> one of the 300 oh. cats. Oh my and I God. just said, that's, that just encapsulates. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing. And it's just like nothing. Yeah. And there was another scene in the documentary. Do you oh. remember this when she had her birthday party? Yes. And people came in. Yeah, yeah. She had friends come in for maybe 20 minutes. Right. <laughs> they came into the kitchen. They had a cake. She's like, okay, goodbye, everybody. Right, like right. she, sh- They came in. She shooed them out. And, that, and I thought, could you imagine going to someone's house and them like saying, okay, get out. <laughs> remember that? Yeah. But it was, they were like, okay. Yeah. Like, they probably knew. It, yeah, it was just so interesting. Anything. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, so interesting. So, but thank you, thank you for coming again sure. and doing this and leading up to season two, which I'm very oh. excited about as well. Yes. Any and, any teasers? No. You can give us no. no? Okay. No, but it, just it, have to listen. It'll be good. It'll be good. I promise. Okay. All right. Thanks, Annie. Thank you. And just remember, it's okay to be so dramatic.